That's it. Come on, let's give him a hand clap right now. Hallelujah. Jesus, we're thankful for your word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sister Holly. It's always good to see the word preach with passion. You know, it's good. It's good. When the word goes forth, it changes people, it changes lives. Uh, I know that I need to show forth more kindness in my relationships. Um, I ask for you guys to pray for me for compassion. I've been asking this a lot lately. Some people at work, I have a hard time showing forth the kindness. So thank you, Sister Holly. Thank you. Amen. 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 Well, tonight I'm going to talk about goodness. Goodness. What does it mean to be good? This is a question that has plagued our society for years, thousands of years. There's no shortage on books, sermons, video series, TV series, YouTube videos, all on trying to teach us how to be good. Most people, when you ask them, what's it going to take to get into heaven, they'll just say, just be a good person. Be good. Nobody sets out to do wrong, or nobody sets out to do evil things or bad things. It's, nobody wakes up one morning and says, I want to be a murderer. You know, we, we, all, or we all have this innate desire in us to do good and to be good. But yet, we do know that there is an opposite of good, and that is evil or wickedness, and that's what we see in our world. But innately, human beings desire to be good. We want to see the good in people. But that leads us back to the question, what does it mean to be good? So what does that mean? For all the available resources out there, there's so many different opinions or different philosophies when it comes to goodness. One philosophy states that good is the eradication of pain and the experience of pleasure. So in other words, what that says is if it makes you feel good, makes you feel happy, you no longer feel pain, then that's good. It doesn't matter if maybe you're in a lifestyle of adultery. If you're feeling good, that's okay. That's what that philosophy says. If drugs and alcohol help, you help, help to desensitize you from the pain that you're feeling, then that's good. doesn't matter what's going to come out of that or what's going to come in the future, but as long as in that moment I feel good, then that's good. Another philosophical thought says that good is the acquisition of knowledge and the eradication of ignorance. I remember uh, being a kid watching TV, NBC would always come on, you hear, the more you know, the more you know. How much can I know? If, if I can just know more, if I go to school more, if I can learn more things, then I'll be a good person. Our society is, is full of that. But this is what Paul would say about that in 2 Timothy 3, 6 through 8. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts. Verse 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. So it's funny to me that the, this philosophy states that the more we know, if we can eradicate ignorance, then we're good. But it lies in the very foundation of ignorance of God's word. <laughs> Right? 
Because if they just read 2 Timothy, they'd know that we can learn as much as we want, but that's never going to make us good. Next philosophy says that being good involves whatever is the greatest benefit for the greatest number of people. So that's United States of America. We're a democracy. That's kind of what that is. Whatever's, whatever works best for the majority, that's good. But then what about the minority who doesn't think it's good? So again, we have another flawed system. Last example we have is that having goods is what makes you good. This is America to a T. We went to an economic fall because of this very philosophy. When I was a kid, one of the songs that I used to always hear was, I am a material girl living in a material world. <laughs> Those words still ring true today. We are all material girls living. <laughs> no. And boys. And boys. <laughs> And we see that America, from that philosophy, where it led us in the last, you know, 15 years. Uh, the economic downfall that came. So how can that be good? So in every, each one of these categories or these philosophies, we find one common flaw. Each of these viewpoints would lead us to the wrong place. The, the idea in all four of these state that we can be good in of ourselves. They all say, become good by how we feel become good by what we own. How we make everybody else happy is what makes us good. Or how much do I know? The common factor in all of that is me. Is me. All of these theories about being good rest in the most flawed, wicked thing in the world. Us. The flesh. The flesh. I'm going to talk about the flesh a little bit tonight, okay? A little bit about the flesh. Um... Romans 7.18 says, For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Psalms 51.5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, in sin did my mother conceive me. Genesis 6.5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Isaiah 6.4, But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our, unright all, all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I can go on all day with scriptures that talk about how our righteousness is filthy rags. Our flesh, there's no, no good thing in our flesh. I went from the law, the prophets, Psalms, the New Testament, every era of biblical writing is laden with just scriptures that show us that we are not good. We are not good. So my point is that we have to stop looking at ourselves to be good, and we need to start looking at the only one that is good. We can only look to him who's good. The Bible tells us that we all sinned. We're all, none of us is righteousness. We're filthy rags. I work on cars sometimes. I'm not very good at it, but I do work on cars. We got some mechanics in the room. Has anybody ever seen that mechanic's towel when he's done with it? After he's got all that grease on there? There's your righteousness. That's what your righteousness looks like to God. It's a filthy rag. It's a fil I'm not here to depress everybody tonight. I know you're not going to run and shout and scream for what I'm saying. But I just want us to get to this, this truth that we and of ourselves are just not good. The thoughts of our heart is evil continually. 
If you have any children, this is very evident. Very evident. I have four wonderful, beautiful children. I love them very, very much. Most people would tell me that they're well-mannered, they're well-behaved. We get a lot of compliments when we go out to restaurants. But they're evil. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, they are not evil. But when they were born, I never had to teach them to lie. I never had to teach them to steal. You know, but at some point, they have all done these things. They've lied. They've cheated. They've stealed. They, they do all these things. Now, I certainly didn't teach them that. I don't, my wife was with them more than I was. <laughs> She's a wonderful mother. But we don't have to teach them those things. We have to teach them the opposite. I have to teach them not to steal. I have to teach them not to do wrong things. I have to teach them to do right, to... Because inherently what lies in us is the flesh. And the flesh only wants to fulfill its own desires. We are born into sin. First John 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 10 says, If we say we have not sinned, we make him, that's Jesus, a liar, and his word is not in us. So what am I saying? If you ever want to show goodness in your relationships... Stop looking to yourselves and the world to define what is right. We are not born good. We have to choose to be good. We have to choose to be good. And we only do that by coming to the Father. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 and 18 says, Good master, pick it up in the middle of 17. Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why are you calling me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. Now, Jesus is not denying who he is in this scripture, but he's merely illustrating to us the importance of only looking to God for to be good. We can't look at any other source. Only God can make you good. Only God can make me good. There's a writer named uh, Thomas Merton. He's quoted as saying, a saint is not someone who is good, but one that experiences the goodness of God. We have it backwards. Now, I'm sorry, we, but the world, the world has it backwards. The, every time I do outreach, I'm like, hey, man, you know, you got to come to church. You know, God wants to do some things. Yeah, you, you're right. I'll get there. I got to do some things first. You know, this world has this philosophy that you have to get good to get God, but that's totally wrong. You have to get God to get good. You can never be good on your own. You're never going to find the place where you're good enough to come to church or you're good enough to serve God or if you're good enough to do anything. Only time you're good is when you got the Holy Spirit in your life working. Amen. 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 You see, the whole crux of the fruit of the Spirit lies in the Spirit. In the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. The New Living Translation says it like this. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce the kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, we don't become robots, but when we allow the Spirit of God to control us, Then we produce kindness. Then we produce goodness. Then we have love. Then we have joy. Then we have peace. We can't find these things in ourselves, but we have to allow the Holy Spirit to control us. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. 
The primary reason that we receive the Holy Ghost is for salvation. But a wonderful secondary benefit is that we become good. If we want to have good relationships, we have to first be full of the Spirit and allow it to work through us. If you want to do things that are morally good, then you have to have the Holy Spirit working through you. You can never do it on your own. I was going to pray for that rain later, but that's all right. But if we want to see more of goodness in our life, we have to get more of God. His Spirit is a free gift. It's available at any time. Whether you're here in a church service, you're at home praying by yourself, you have your neighbors over and you pray, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit is always available to us. And it's and some people in this world have become content with doing their best to be good. But I don't want to just do my best to be good. I want, to, I want the Holy Spirit to do its best to make me good, to make me good. Amen? There's a war that's at, that, that's, that goes on in our members. It's between the flesh and the spirit. When we obey the flesh, we end up doing things that we didn't want to do. When we obey the spirit, we end up doing good things. And so when you read through Romans, I, I, I was, was talking to Sister Candy about this previously, and, and I really got excited about you know, some of the stuff I was reading in Romans, but I don't have the time tonight. But study Romans 6, 7, and 8. Just study those three chapters, and you'll see that the power to do good lies in us, and the power to do wrong lies in us. God did not create us to be robots. He created free will. And we have to choose to exercise the free will and desire to do good things and to treat people right and to have healthy relationships. If we don't choose to have a healthy relationship, we're never going to have a healthy relationship. If I don't choose to allow Pastor Anthony to be my spiritual authority, he'll never be my spiritual authority. But we have to choose these things. We have a choice. It's all about choice. The Bible is so simple. It's just choice. James 4 and 7. This is, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. It's a choice. Submit to the spirit, wickedness flees. It's simple. But we make it so hard. Oh, it's just the sin that's in me. It's the sin that's in me. No, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that's in you. That's what's stronger. That's what's greater. The Greek word for goodness is, I'm going to try this my best, agathosune. I think I did it. That word has a double meaning. It's a double meaning. It means both being good and doing good. It literally comes from our heart that is and is manifested through our actions. It's more than just having a good heart, but it's the evidence of what's in our heart. It's like faith and works. I show you my faith by my works. I show you my goodness by what's in my heart. Thayer's Bible Dictionary defines it as uprightness of heart and life. The word upright is very closely associated with the word integrity. So using that definition in today's language, we could say that goodness means having integrity. So integrity comes from the word integrate. And when we have goodness, we integrate that feeling in our hearts into our daily actions. Integrity means to be whole or complete, not double-minded or two-faced. All right? I'm going to get a little practical tonight. All right? We're going to be real practical tonight. We need to have integrity. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. That's 28.6 of Proverbs. First Chronicles 29 says, I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and you rejoice when you find integrity there. Integrity is important to God. Integrity manifests itself through us as goodness. The Bible declares that we are epistles or we are letters read of all men. 
Once we start proclaiming that we have Christ, people start getting out there examining their magnifying lens. When I first became a Christian, I used to tell everybody about Jesus, and, they'd, and then I'd say some other things, you know, and they'd be like, that didn't sound very Christian. You're not, is that how the Bible teaches you to act? No, no, it didn't. I'm trying to learn how to act, you know. But people get out their magnifying lens. They want to examine everything you do. Every time you slip up, they want to see, you're not a Christian. I tell people all the time, I don't go to church because I'm perfect. I'm, I go to church because I'm not perfect. So I want goodness to, be, to, to come forth in my life. So when I go to work, so when I go to work, I'm surrounded by blue-collar men. It's rough. A lot of macho men, alpha dogs, you know, big chests. Everybody's showing each other up. Who's the bigger, better dog, you know? There's also some of the worst, vile, lewd, disgusting conversations that you'll ever hear in your life sitting around a kitchen table. Now, I profess to be a Christian. If I was to start engaging in these activities, I lose my integrity. And I don't show forth goodness in the workplace. And if I'm not showing forth goodness in the workplace, how can I be the salt and light of the world? Right? We're talking about integrity tonight. We have to be... We have to have integrity. The other day, I was on the phone with somebody, and I said, hey, where are you at? And she's, I'm sorry, they were like, uh, oh, I'm at work. And I said, all right, well, call me later. They said, no, no, it's okay. My, you know, my boss isn't around. I'm okay. I said, no, no, you're at work. You know, you don't get paid by your boss to talk to me on the phone. That's having integrity. That's having integrity. When you go to work, you go to work. That's having integrity. That's showing goodness in the workplace. If, you know, I, I, I'm in a firehouse, but some people work in offices and at a computer desk. If every time somebody walks by your desk, you're on Facebook, what does that say? Because we don't work for Facebook, right? You work for your boss. So we have to show goodness and integrity by when we're at work, working. We work unto the Lord, right? Amen. I knew it would be quiet tonight, but that's okay. When you go on break, then you can do all the Facebook you want, post all your selfies on Instagram, and tweet the whole world about it. But when you're at work, it's time to work. It's time to work. Speaking of the workplace, we don't show goodness if we have a work spouse. You guys heard of this? Work spouse, people of opposite sex, they go to lunch together, they do projects together. That's not showing goodness. That's lacking integrity. In your, in your marriage and in the workplace. I'm just going to talk about some real things tonight. It's okay. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. It's not appropriate to have that intimate of a relationship with a member of the opposite sex. It's not, it's not appropriate. It's not, in, it's not good. It's not good. At work, I, sometimes I get stuck working with a female in an ambulance. I don't like it, but the first person that knows about it after me is my wife. Call her up. Hey, don't, you know, just so you know, I have to work with a female today or whatever. Who are you work? I'm working with a woman today. You know, if, if, if at work you get assigned a project with a, somebody, sometimes you can't help that. But does your spouse know? Does your spouse know? That's showing goodness in a relationship. That's showing integrity in our relationship. If I text other women in the church, I usually have my wife's phone number attached to it or another person in the church's number attached to it. I don't do personal text messaging with people in the church of the opposite sex. 
Not that I feel like something's going to happen, but why give place to the devil? Why give place to the devil? These are just practical things to show forth goodness in our relationships. What about at home? What's it look like to have integrity at home? As a husband and a father, the responsibility is great. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That's tough. That's tough. But for me to show goodness in my relationship with my wife, that's what I have to do. And I can't do that on myself. In the flesh, I could never love my wife the way Christ loved the church. But when I allow the Holy Spirit to control me, and I allow the, spirit of, the fruit of the Spirit of goodness to flow through me, I'll start treating her with goodness. I'll break that crazy cycle that Brother Jeremy Cox talked about. Right? I'll love her. I won't make her earn my affection. I won't make, well, I came home and the dishes were dirty, so I'm not going to kiss you tonight. You know? No. Kiss your wife. Love your wife. Show goodness in your relationship. You want a healthy relationship with your wife? Show integrity. Show goodness. It's simple, but it's what it is. Proverbs 18.22 says, Whoso finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. Ecclesiastes 9.9 says, Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life. I love my wife. I love my wife. I love spending time with my wife. I have found great favor in the eyes of the Lord. And it's important to me to want to show goodness to her and to be and to have integrity, to have integrity. I remember this past year was great. You know, our, all of our kids had full-time school for the first time. And so they were gone. No. We weren't happy that they were gone, but we were happy about all the time that we had together. You know? Wives? Ephesians 5.33 tells you, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular, so this is about the husband first, so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. There's an old saying that says, Behind every great man is a great woman. The man in your life is only going to be as good as you propel him to be. It's just how it goes. If you tell me all day about how worthless I am, I'm going to succumb to that worthlessness and just be a big, fat, lazy slob. But my wife, <laughs> All right. I remember when he first started coming to the Lord, my wife, she used to speak some things in my life. I'm like, this chick is crazy. But she built me up. She built me up. And here I am on a Thursday night with a microphone in my hand. All right. Why? Because there's a great woman behind me pushing me to be a better man. Husband, I mean, wives, you want your husbands to be better men, then push them that way. Don't tell them how worthless he is. Tell them how great he is, even if he's not. Because <laughs> eventually, he will be. He will be. We will exceed your expectations. A man is very competitive, even if they say they're not. They're all, we're all competitive. All right? You start telling me how great I am, I'm going to try to do one better. Having goodness as a wife is not bashing, and, and it, this goes both ways as a husband as well, is not bashing your spouse when you're out with your friends. You spend all day, you go out to coffee or lunch or something, you spend all day, oh, man, my wife is terrible. She doesn't do anything good. My wife, my, you know, the wife says, my husband's a, a, a goof. He can't get nothing right. Hey, you want to come to church? 
Uh, no, I'll stay at home. I'll stay at home. Don't bash your, your spouse. Love your spouse. Show goodness. Not in the flesh, but through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. We can't do any of this without the Holy Ghost. None of this can be done without the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is supposed to produce goodness in our life. Parents, Ephesians 6, 4 says, and ye fathers, and I'm saying mothers, ye fathers and mothers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Colossians 3, 21, fathers and mothers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. As parents, we have a responsibility to not provoke our children. Don't push them in avenues of discouragement. I, if you know me, you know that I like to tease people. And I am very guilty of taking it too far a lot of times, especially with my children. In that moment of doing that, if I was just to say, well, whatever, kid, just get over it. That's not showing goodness. That's not having integrity as a father. But in those moments, I get down, I hug them, I tell them, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I love you. I didn't mean for that to, you know, to hurt you. I don't try to justify my, my behavior. I just let them know I'm sorry and I love them. That's showing integrity. That's showing goodness as a father. Coming home at night is showing integrity as a father and as a mother. Being there, eating dinner with your family, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Family that eats together. We always got these kids in the neighborhood. They always come over and for dinner. And I'm always like, you know, we eat together. I said, because the family eats together and prays together, stays together. I want to promote that goodness in our lives. Goodness, good relationships, healthy relationships. Not only but how do I treat my kids, but how do my kids see me treating others? Okay, what is said on the car ride home tonight about me is not integrity. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you can't leave the church house and tear down your brothers and sisters in front of your kids and think you have integrity. You just can't. I, you know, I didn't ask you, but is it okay if I say something about you, Sister Cox? I just, I thought about it earlier, and then I wasn't going to, but when we first started coming here, my friend, Sister uh, Beavers, went up to Sister Cox and says, you got, your children are all in ministry. How'd you do it? And she said, I never spoke negative once about the ministry or people in the church around my kids. That's having integrity. It's having integrity. People are frustrating. That's okay. We get frustrated. I get frustrated. I'm sure pastor's very frustrated. <laughs> Not with me, though. Not with me. But don't talk negatively, negatively about your brothers and sisters around, first of all, any, in general, but especially not around others. It's not showing goodness. That's not being, having integrity. If we lack integrity at home, we should not be surprised when our kids don't choose to serve God when they get older. I'm not saying that if we have integrity, they're automatically going to choose God because there's plenty of people, plenty of saints whose kids aren't serving the Lord. But what I am saying that is when we walk with integrity, we give them a better chance. For Proverbs 20 and 7 says, The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. We have to choose to be good. We have to choose integrity. When I think of integrity, immediately I think of Job. 
Job. The Lord himself looked at Job and saw a man of integrity. Job 1.8, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and eschews evil? We all know the story. Satan comes. He takes everything away. Uh, his wife, Job's wife, tells him, Why don't you just curse God and die? His friends come around and start bashing him about all the bad things he must have done that caused all this wrath upon him. But Job would never curse God. Job, in, he, he's in a reply to one of his friends, he actually says in Job 27, 3 through 8, All the while that my breath is in me, and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils, my lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. God forbid that I should justify you. Till I die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. My righteousness I hold fast, and I will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. Let mine enemy be as the wicked, and he that riseth up against me as the unrighteous. For what is the hope of the hypocrite, though he hath gained when God takes away his soul? It's about a choice. It's all about choice. We have to choose to hold fast to our integrity. We have to choose to allow God to work through us. And as long as I got the Spirit of God in my nostrils, I choose integrity. I'm going to make some mistakes, but I choose integrity. I choose to hold fast to righteousness. I choose to live for God the right way, to allow the Holy Spirit to control me. He chose righteousness, and today it's no different for us. We can choose to do good or we can choose not to. But as long as we have the Spirit of God in us, we have the power to choose good. One of the biblical definitions of power is exosia power. This power gives us the power to choose. It's the power of choice. We receive that when we get the Holy Ghost. When you receive the Holy Ghost by the, with the evidence of speaking an unknown tongue, when you receive that, you receive that power. You receive the power to say no to sin. You receive the power to say no to wickedness. And you receive the power to say yes to God and his spirit controlling you. We have to choose it. We have to choose it. Amen. Amen. We need the Holy Spirit more than ever, more than ever before. We're coming up against the last days, some perilous times. We're going to need the Holy Spirit to lead us. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Tonight... I address some specific relationships. I talked about at work, at home, with our kids in the church. But Paul would leave us with just a few last illustrations about, uh, about everyday lives and relationships. Romans 12, 9 through 10 says, and this is the ESV version. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When we talk about integrity, what we're saying is that who we are in private is what we are in public. It is time for our private realities to match our public image. We all need to have a little bit more integrity. We all need to have a little bit more of the Holy Ghost working in us. We all can agree that we all fall short 
we all fall short. If we could all stand. Nobody in here is perfect. I for sure am not perfect. As Sister Holly said, when she was reading that, when she was studying for kindness, she was weeping and crying, and I realized how woefully short I fall of goodness. Tonight, what I'm asking is if we would all be willing to take our masks off. And let's just get real. I'm tired of the person walking around the church not matching the image that's in the mirror. Tonight, I'm asking if we would all get open and honest and, and admit that the flesh has been winning some battles it shouldn't be winning. But I want goodness to be in my life. I want goodness to be in my life. There was a recent illustration I was reading about. It was uh, the sheep in the wilds of Great Britain. And in the wilds of Great Britain, it rains constantly like Seattle, just always raining and raining. And, and the sheep, when they get wet, their wool gets wet, it becomes too heavy. And what they that actually do is they tip over. And in a panic, they begin to hyperventilate. And when they hyperventilate, they can die. And when I read that illustration, I just felt like, man, that's what I need. I need the Holy Ghost just to pour into my life so strong that my flesh would just completely die. That my flesh would just completely die. I'm tired of trying to be good in myself. I'm tired of this world trying to define to me what is good. But I'm ready for the Holy Spirit to control the goodness in me. I need the floodgates of heaven to open up. As that rain fell earlier, that was just a precursor of what's to come. If you're open and you're willing to admit that you haven't had the integrity that you wish and you haven't been as good as you wish you can be, then come on up. Let's come to the front. Let's get real tonight. Let's get real.